This is Gregory Bloom, your host at Food Chat. I've been in the food business in Colorado since 1991 when I got out of college and I've worked in six different food manufacturing plants during my career in the food industry. Food Chat is about reconnecting you to food and it's on Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. So join us for your lunch break right here at 560 KLZ. Food Chat is about food production in Colorado, including farming, uh, ranching, processing food, and basically all things that are involved in getting food from the field to your plate. If you missed last week's show with my interview with Dr. Temple Grandin from Colorado State University in Fort Collins, you can find it at foodchat.us or at gregorybloom.com. Dr. Grandin last week shared some of the important lessons she's learned in her career working to improve the quality of life for animals that are raised for food production, thoughts on improvements that still need to be made, and she even suggested some activities for your kids or grandkids this summer. Hey, today I'm excited to have Danny Trawick from the Colorado Ag Leadership Program, known in Colorado by the acronym CALP. CALP is Colorado Ag Leadership Program, and Danny is the uh, executive director at CALP. Uh, Danny, would you just share with us, for number one, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. And would you just start maybe by introducing yourself and telling the listeners what is CALP? Yeah, thanks, Greg, for having me on. Sure. Uh, I am Danny Trawick. As you said, I am the director of the Colorado Ag Leadership Program. So the CALP program is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Uh, it's a two-year program for adults in agriculture. So those folks who are looking to take the next step in their careers, um, learn how to be a better advocate for agriculture, those types of people. Um, over the course of the two years, they will travel around the state, six different locations in the state, learning about agriculture all over the state. They'll travel to Washington, D.C. They'll go to the state capitol, learning how to be better advocates for agriculture, um, learn about policy making. They go to another state, learn how another state's agricultural industry works. And then they also take an international trip um, at the end of that. And amongst other other things, it's a pretty intense program for that uh, two years. Once they finish the program, they will have put in enough hours to have finished a master's degree. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a proud alumni of Class 13 for CALP, Colorado Ag Leadership Program. And I was um, in the program for two years, like, like she said. And, you know, even though I grew up on a farm and knew a little bit about agriculture. I thought I actually knew more than I actually did. Um, actually, after being in CALP for two years, I learned that there's so much that I didn't know. There's a lot of ag going on in Colorado, a lot of ag production that I didn't even didn't even uh, knew that went on here. Did you find that before you started with CALP too? Oh man, yeah, absolutely. I think that is probably one of the most unique things about Colorado is just how diverse it is. I mean, we have everything from melon grow, growing to um, peaches, cherries, fruit growing to commercial agriculture and livestock. I mean, we could we could probably make it a four-year program, I think, just to be able to get everything in in the state. But um, yeah, it's been certainly eye-opening. And I learned something new with every class. Yeah, I remember kind of going from the four corners of the state. There's kind of something different going on in each part of the state. Um, Danny, and most people listening to this probably are living in the urban areas here on the Denver Front Range and just up and down the highway, I-25. So what kind of crops or ag industries are really robust in Colorado that people might not know about? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, um, I tried to make a list, and like I said, it is truly so diverse, but 
certainly Colorado is known for known for its corn. Um, I think a lot of people maybe don't realize that we are the second largest fresh potato uh, grower in the nation, um, in the San Luis Valley there. Uh, quinoa, wheat, alfalfa, and, and beans over here on the Four Corners. Um, some niche markets, though, cherries, peaches, grapes. We have quite a few grapes and vineyards popping up around. Um, melons, chili peppers down in the Pueblo area. Lavender is something that we tour that's pretty neat. Um, and then livestock, I, you know, obviously we, we have the cattle feed yards and the sheep feed yards and, and even swine in northeast Colorado. Um, but some niche markets that you, you see a lot of that's starting to come back are, um, you know, bees, bee farming, uh, fish hatcheries. Those are starting to, to come back a little bit. They had some, some disease and stuff that went through, and so you're starting to see a lot more fish hatcheries come up. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I feel like I could go on. Uh, you could probably find just about anything in this state because they, we are just so diverse in our landscape, our, our um and our weather is just perfect for growing stuff. I was down in uh, Mexico last month, Donnie, for a food show with the Colorado Department of Ag, and uh, I had a bunch of Colorado potato growers down there in our booth with us. And, uh, you know, Colorado potatoes are highly coveted and sought after in Mexico. And that uh, actually, in Mexico just opened up uh, to Colorado potatoes forever. It had been, uh, well, not forever, but for the longest time, Colorado potatoes were only allowed to go down so far. And then just recently, now they can go all the way down into the southern parts of, this, of the country. But the problem is, um, maybe you've heard this, there's just not enough Colorado potatoes right now to export down there, you know, because the crop's already in from last year. So we need to grow more potatoes. But when I want to ask you about lavender. I hadn't heard about lavender. If you're growing a lavender crop, is that is that used for oil then? Is that what it's for? Yeah, they use it for um, everything from oil to um, dried bouquets. Uh, they use it in food products. Um, when we were there, they let us have some lavender ice cream that they had made. So um, it's it's pretty versatile. And, and they actually have a lavender festival in um, the Grand Junction Palisade area. I believe it's the second week in June, maybe. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I had no yeah. idea. Um, yeah. So if someone listening to this show is interested in learning about agriculture, but they're, they're not, they don't have an ag background, can they still be part of the Colorado Ag Leadership Program? Uh, or is it just for people that have an ag background? Yeah, well, we definitely try to, um, I, I think diversity has been the, the key word today. Um, we don't turn anybody away. There is an application process that you have to go through. And uh, it's a written application that you can find on our website at coloagleaders.org. And then they go through an oral interview with uh, a, a board of um, interviewers. And then um, if we decide that it's somebody that will it, – it's not just about what the program can provide to you, but what you can bring to the program. Uh, we feel like that's a, a vital part of this program is the diversity and the, the cultural um, experience that you get from your classmates that you're going through the program with. So certainly I would say no, absolutely not. You do not have to have a, an ag background. We, we encourage um, a, a broad range of people to apply because I think that makes it a more robust experience for everybody in the program. We've had chefs go through the program. We've had government employees, um, yeah, policymakers, um, commercial agriculture, of course. Uh, so, I mean, it, it truly is a broad group of people that go through it. But the end goal 
is that you're willing to come out of this program and be an advocate for agriculture and our rural communities. Right. That's what I learned in the in the program. But, you know, the way I learned about the program initially and first heard about it was going to the Governor's Ag Forum that happens annually. And that's typically in, is that in the first week of March still? Yeah, uh, I, it will actually be February 23rd next year, and we will be moving it to the West End out in Westminster. Um, but, yeah, the, so that is one thing that the class has to do, as you know, Greg, is put on the Colorado Ag Forum. Uh, that's a showcase of programming the co- the group has to come up with, the class has to come up with, something that's representative of what the issues, what the um, the different markets, the new innovations that are happening in agriculture uh, certainly that they try to highlight all of that at that event. Yeah, I would encourage everyone to go to that event. It's an all-day event. You can find out about it um, by going to the Colorado Ag Leadership Program and clicking on the link for the Governor's Ag Forum. And it's really an all-day kind of uh, deep dive into ag. They have a couple great uh, speakers, keynote speakers every year, and then they have breakout sessions so you can kind of pick uh, and choose what part of ag in Colorado you're interested in learning about, and uh, the speakers are always first class. I think that people don't realize is and all the great stuff that's going on, and you know, this is, it'd be great if everybody could get out and see all the farms and ranches and dairies and all the food production facilities in Colorado, but that's not practical. So one way to kind of learn about it all in one day is going, going to the, the ag forum that happens every year. I'm just going to ask you one more question, and then we're going to um, have uh, Harrison join us and talk to us about fruit production out in Paonia. Uh, but one last thing I want to ask you, Danny, is just um, uh, people that live in the city may not be that familiar with all of the great careers that are available in Colorado in the ag industry. How would you suggest like someone in high school or they don't really know what they want to do, but they don't really want to sit in a cube and work behind a desk all their life. They want to be outside. How would they learn about ag production jobs in Colorado? What would your suggestion be? You know, um, in thinking about that, I I really think that your community colleges, uh, our community colleges in the state of Colorado, do the best. Um, Obviously, going to the Ag Forum and meeting people in the industry, uh, you'll see a good representation of folks there. Um, But the community colleges have all really worked together to um, develop and, and fit different niches of agriculture to help agriculture. And I mean... It's so diverse um, what's available out there. If you want to be an electrician, all of our center pivots, all of our um, tractors now are are ran by uh, electricity. So they're really short of electricians that can work on the center pivots and, and all of this different technology that has come into agriculture. Um, yeah, there there's mechanics to work on these tractors and understand the GPS and, and that sort of thing. There's welding of course there are so many so many trades and skills that can be applied to agriculture right now um and of course our our, one of our greatest partners for our calp program csu um you know they are on it they've developed a new entrepreneur program that'll be um housed out of the denver uh the new denver um uh, facility that they built there at the stock show complex Yep. So, you know, there, there's just a ton of resources if you're interested in getting into the agricultural field. Um, and it's not just cows and plows. Uh, agriculture is, is so advanced these days. I mean, drones. We use drones um, quite a bit to um, check our irrigation and, and different things like that. So, um, yeah, I would just urge you to reach out to your community colleges, your, your local schools, 
um, a lot of them can can tell you what kind of ag programming they've put together. Great. Thanks. Those are good tips. Thank you, Danny. Today's show is brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com is a Colorado family-owned company. My family owns it, and we bring the best meat from farms, ranches, and food plants that we've vetted out and know the production process personally. So we've done all the hard work for you, and we have a great selection of meats that will help you all summer along with some great grilling ideas. Like we have Wagyu flat irons right now that are just awesome. And we have our Beeler's Bratwurst, which are a summer staple for many. You should always have some Beeler's Brats. I'd encourage you to go to our website, ranchfreshmeats.com. Sign up for our weekly emails because we get buys on things and we pass the savings along to you. And as food is going up more and more expensive all the time, you want to save money. So we'll send you out an email once in a while with a great deal on something. So check out ranchfreshmeats.com. Our next guest to join uh, the conversation that Danny and I are having, this is Harrison Top from Top Fruits and Vegetables, uh, actually just Fruits and Paonia. And uh, Harrison actually also went through the CALP program. Hey, uh, Harrison, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Harrison, tell us a little bit about your background, and I'd like you to tell the listeners you know, how you got into growing apples, cherries, and peaches and other things that you grow. Sure, absolutely. Um, so we're, uh, so I'm a first generation grower. I was actually raised in Evergreen, Colorado, um, uh, along the front range and, uh, you know, became involved in agriculture after college. Um, I was working the, the, uh, I had moved to Western North Carolina to, uh, pursue, uh, filmmaking after, after I graduated with a degree in film and television production and sort of embedded myself in a rural and agricultural community to do research for this project that we were working on. And I just absolutely fell in love with the community, with the agriculture, with the, uh, uh, with the culture that we were, that we were in, in Southern Appalachia. And, um, and so when the film project was over, I just kept pursuing agriculture. And, um, you know, I, I joke that since then, uh, uh, series of bad luck and poor decisions have kept me in this industry but uh but, but i i <laughs> there's a seed of truth in all jokes but you know but really i love what we do you know it's, it's a volatile business it's a challenging business there's um there's a lot of things that can go wrong and so uh, that builds stress but that's you know but the reality is it's a wonderful thing to do and growing peaches is the best thing in the whole wide world so um i just love uh I just love the first peach of the season. We're picking cherries right now, and I'm just um, I'm just full up full up on uh, on on this wonderful thing that we get to grow. So, um, yep, we're based in Paonia, Hotchkiss, Colorado. We operate a couple of farms in that area, and we start the season out growing cherries, and then in a couple of weeks we'll start picking peaches, and then in early September we'll start picking apples. And we've got a few other things in there like plums and a little and a few pears, and um, we sell through a variety of channels from uh, sending things to our packing shed that'll end up in grocery stores to bringing fruit to farmers markets and selling to um, people who like who run CSAs and who have small aggregating businesses. So it's a, this we're transitioning into the marketing portion of the year, which is definitely a mind shift, but uh, one that we're excited for. Since you, I love your story because you don't have a, you know, you didn't grow up on a farm and what you're doing right now. So how, how did you learn? How did you, did you find mentors? Did you just make a lot of mistakes? Or how did you, you know, really 
find find you know the know-how as as to what you're doing because what you're doing is very complex it's not easy to, i have a apple tree on my property and a peach tree and harrison i've never been able to get to grow anything so i know it's not easy i sure. just like planting it because <laughs> i didn't amend the soil i didn't ask anyone what to do i just bought it and planted it so tell us a little bit about how you you learned how to how to be successful you know i think for me it was all about strong mentorship so whether that was early on you know taking um taking positions as a farm worker with uh you know with other farms to as i've you know as i've worked earned my way through this into more deeply into this industry you know finding people and never hesitating to ask questions and never hesitating to um you know give my time and give my you know give uh, what resources I have in order, you know, in exchange for learning, in exchange for uh, opportunities to work with different people. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to pretend that I've, you know, done it all on my own. We've had a lot of help along the way. You know, one of the farms that we started on, um, you know, that was the initial plot that we began the business on was bought by my parents in, um, you know, roughly 20 years ago. So that gave us a, a really solid foothold to, to begin uh, building what we have today, but um, you know, mentorship from other people, going to conferences, participating in programs like CALP. Um, uh, I'm on the board of the Western Colorado Horticulture Society, which is the fruit grower organization, and I do things like that in order to learn, in order to stay connected, in order to be able to have resources and people that I can reach out to and ask questions of. Um, I also work uh, for an organization called Farmers Union, and that has exposed me to so many people across agriculture from so many different sectors. And you can't always take something that you learn from uh, from a sheep rancher and apply it to to orcharding. But there, you know, um, maybe at least not on the production side, but maybe there is something on the business side that we can learn from them. So it has all been about networks and community and and mentorship, and that's really gotten us where we are today. With you know, with certainly some some actual bona fide study as well um you know learn reading research um keeping up to date with what's going on at the universities things like that so uh, what are you know I, I think most people listening to this show uh, harrison would never have tried to grow an apple or a cherry or a peach or any other fruit for for commercial production so what are, what are some of the just share with us like a little bit of your world and like what are some of the challenges risk and rewards of of doing what you do well there's a lot you know right now there's a very poignant one you know we've got cherries on the tree that we want to continue ripening you know they're really close to being ready to harvest but a couple more days and they're just going to be perfect but we've got uh, weather coming in this weekend we've got a rainstorm uh, planned for uh, for sunday and uh, well, it's not planned. We have a, a, a thunderstorms forecast for this Sunday. And for example, with cherries, um, if you get water collecting in that stem well, where that that place where the stem reaches the cherry, you've got a little divot there, and water can pool in that cherry and be absorbed by the be absorbed by the fruit and cause it to crack. So now we're in the situation where we're on this, you know, we're in this difficult gray area where we could pick them now and they might not be quite as sweet, might not be quite as great, or we could gamble and wait a couple of days and hope that we make it through the rainstorm all right. So, you know, it's lots of decisions like that, trying to maximize quality, trying to maximize uh, the, the condition of the fruit, and then also managing to trying to, you know, 
uh, duck, dive, and dodge around the weather and around the pests. Um, we're certified organic, which means that we've got, um, you know, we've got a different set of tools that we have to work with. And in some cases, that can be really challenging, you know, when it comes to managing weeds, when it comes to managing pests. We've got to, uh, uh, you know, challenges that everyone faces, certainly, but, you know, we've got a slightly more dynamic um challenge in front of us because because of the limited tool base that we have in the organic production so uh but you know we've we've learned a lot we've gotten really good at a couple things and we remain pretty bad at a couple things so (laughs) we're (laughs) it's it's a lifelong learning process people who have been doing this for years will will, for lifetimes will still say that are your uh are your input costs more this year than than last year just because of the economy right now you know i think our input costs I'm estimating our input costs overall are up about 25% between labor and fuel and uh, and inputs like fertilizer and and, uh, and sprays and things like that. Um, I'm hoping that we also see a little bump in uh, in retail in the retail sales price that we're able to get. Um, I'm I. I I think that we're still looking at a profitable year, fingers crossed, but yeah, definitely are we're seeing costs up and continue to see a big challenge getting stuff in. Um and freight is just astronomical right now. So those are probably some of the, the most the biggest pinch points for us. Yeah, and you know, I've talked to some other farmers, Harrison, and things that, you know, consumers don't really think about, but just like even the cardboard boxes, the things that you pack the produce in, you have to put cherries, apples and peaches and all that in boxes and those boxes cost a lot more than they did a year ago and you can't ship them without a box. So yeah, when it comes time to, I want to ask you, you know, where, where Colorado consumers can buy your products and, and, and just, just if people are interested in buying and then I'm going to ask you uh, also, you know, what, what makes a Colorado apple, cherry or peach or any other uh, produce items that you grow different than one that's maybe imported from another state? Sure. So repeat that first question, if you would. Oh, just um, while well, I was asking you about, um, uh, uh, while well, we were talking about input costs and uh, um, the cost of boxes and stuff, and then I asked, uh, like, if people want to buy your fruit, uh, where, where, oh, can, sure. where can they buy it? Is it, like, at farmer's markets or retail stores? or? Absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the, the best place to buy our fruit is at the farmer's markets that you'll find us or at the CSAs that we partner with. So we are... Uh, Every Saturday, um, we'll be at the City Park Farmers Market in Denver. Um, every Wednesday, we'll be at the um, uh, at the uh, Boulder County Farmers Market in Boulder, and every Friday, we'll be at the Telluride Farmers Market in Telluride. Um, so, those are the places where you can come and meet us and and try things and get to know us. And then um, we also work with a number of uh, small aggregators and CSAs. Like, there's a program in in Golden Colt Go Farm, and we work with them closely, and they help distribute our, our produce to a number of folks. Um, we've also, uh, you know, if anyone's listening, works with, uh, you know, sources food at food banks. We've had a great opportunity through a state-run program in Colorado to, to be able to move product, to sell product into food banks um, with the assistance of some state dollars, which has been fantastic um, for us, and, it, and it's great to know that we're getting folks getting food uh, to people who need it. Um, and then uh, and then you can also find our produce in uh, in 
King Supers and City Market and Whole Foods and Natural Grocers um, that we we sell to our, our local packing shed. But you won't know it's ours unless you know how to read the codes on the boxes. But but you might find our stuff there if you're if you're buying if you're buying fruit there. Yeah, well. I think I've seen that maybe you know the apple itself or the cherry doesn't have your company name on it, Top Fruits, but. Um, the, I think the sign, like I've seen at Whole Foods, will say this: "This produce is from Colorado, or these cherries are from Colorado." You know, so at least yeah. they, they do so, try to support local. I was going to ask you, if you see, go ahead. If you if you see a box that looks like the Colorado license plate on display there, there's a good chance that that's coming from the consortium of growers that sells through our shed. Okay, that's good to know. Well, everyone, uh, make sure that you go out and look for a local produce this summer in the retail stores and at the farmer markets. Uh, one, one term you've used a couple times that, Harrison, I don't think people might be familiar with, but what is a CSA? Uh, community-supported agriculture. So it's a program where you sign up at the beginning of the year, and then uh, throughout the course of the season, you'll receive a monthly box of produce. And early on, CSAs were proprietary to different farms, so you know, there may be a local farm in your community and in order to uh, help mitigate risk for them and ensure that you and, and build a plan for you, you would purchase a, a share in this community supported agriculture program up front. And then every week you would receive a, a box of fruit. There are now these there are now groups that are aggregating produce from a lot of different areas, um, uh, you know, vegetables and eggs and meats and uh, and fruit and, and doing a similar model. So that's what this program go farm that i talked about does so you can go to them in the beginning of the year pay up front and then all throughout the course of the summer you'll get that that weekly box sort of like a subscription model but uh, i think you know uh, predates the subscript the more contemporary subscription model a little bit um but just a great way to commute to uh participate with uh local foods and with with local growers and a, a great way to you know pay up front to, to make sure that they have the security for throughout the course of the season so that's good. Everyone listening, just uh, get out to the CSAs uh, and uh, grocery stores there, wherever you do your shopping or even the farmer's markets, the farm stands, and look for Colorado uh, produce. And like Harrison said, I think you said the uh, first crop you have coming coming out is the cherries, right? And then and then the peaches and then the yep. apples. Do I have the order right? Yep. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that with us. And I'm sorry we're out of time, but Harrison, thanks for joining us today on Food Chat. And and uh, Danny, thanks for hanging on and listening and joining us today and telling us about CALP. CALP is Colorado Ag Leadership Program. You can find it online, and then you can also find uh, Top Fruits online, too. So thank you both. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Food Chat. Food Chat is all about food, growing food, harvesting food, processing food, cooking food, just everything involved in getting food to your plate. We'll be bringing you a new show every week interviewing stakeholders in the food industry. So join us every Wednesday from 1230 to 1 on your lunch break here at 560 KLZ. Food Chat, reconnecting you to food. Views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.